don't be afraid to be connecting with people. It may be stopping by. It may be um, making some banana bread and sending it over to your neighbor. Connect with people. Welcome to Balancing Life's Issues, the podcast. I'm your host, Kai, and I'm here with CEO of BLI, Wendy Wollner. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Kai. Nice to chat with you. Yeah, as always, um, you know, coming off some some pretty anxious times I had, I kind of wanted to run them by you real quick. So I think I need some advice. We flew to Nebraska to see family, uh, took our now five-month-old with us, and the amount of anxiety I was feeling going into that trip um, I mean, it's, it's already challenging to go home, you know, for an extended period of time. Although I love my family. I think that's challenging for anybody, but bring our infant with us. The scenarios going through my head on what could possibly go wrong from turbulence that would make me drop my baby to a screaming child for three hours left me in, I mean, I don't want to use the word lightly, but it felt like close to a panic attack. Um, and I, I really had to. I really had to dig deep. Um, and fortunately, Miles was perfect <laughs> flying there and back. And it's like, I don't know, you're a mom. Like, what? How, how do you navigate that? Well, first of all, let's just validate something, right? The last time you were in Nebraska, you weren't a father. No, I wasn't. <laughs> we were telling... We were telling people last Christmas was when we were back last. That totally different, was, right? right? Even a father uh-huh. to be, even a mother to be, right? Mm-hmm. There's a whole different thing. So your life changed so dramatically that every single thing you could think of was all the different roles was things you couldn't possibly predict because you haven't been a father before. Right. And by the way, the best part about being a father, if you choose to have another child, it's totally different again. So you got to be <laughs> right. But you know what I think is so interesting about it is what you're talking about is everything we talk about here is living in uncertain times. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best things about being a parent. Right. Every day you think, I got it. I know it. I'm good. Yeah. And, and speaking of, you know, we were on an important web call yeah, just, just an hour ago. And who called? Daycare. Yep. <laughs> got to pick that call up now, right? That's not yep. a, oh, they're just going to leave me a voicemail about billing. That's like something's wrong. Um, and Miles is struggling in the mornings over there. It's a new environment. He's not eating. So then there's this whole other level, right, that we're kind of navigating. Um, and fortunately, he's fine and they're wonderful. Um, and I just got the notification because I, as dad in 2023, there's an app. And I get pinged when he finishes three ounces of milk. So now I feel better, right? And there's pros and cons to that. Sure. You know, that whole idea. I I think what's really important is supporting the idea that we are going to be anxious. And, you know, there's that running joke about my 31-year-old pinged me from the plane saying he's absolutely never, ever going to make his connection. And he's having a total panic attack on the flight. And I thought it's no difference if they're four months or 10 months (laughs) or 31 years old, right? that love and, and and feeling about wanting to protect them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Kai, this is pretty funny. I don't know if you know this, but I grew up with my mom. So lucky to have yes. her, my grandmother, mm-hmm. my great-grandmother, and my great-great-grandmother. And I remember my great-grandmother, I was 10 years old when she passed away, saying, get the babies and bring them here. And she was talking about my grandmother and my great-grandmother. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I think the lesson to learn is to to embrace anxiety for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, to really make it friends and just mm. make, not take it lightly, but to understand that it is part of it so it doesn't get to the place of the panic attack. Right. But 
literally to embrace, like, I'm going to be anxious when I go out to dinner, when I leave them, when I go to daycare, when I don't go to daycare, when, when it snows, when it rains, it is literally part of this new world yeah. of how do I put my jacket on and how do I wear the anxiety? Then you can number it, right? right? Is it a one anxiety or is it a like 59? And you know, that that's like, it's a great segue into, you know, who we're talking to today because, you know, living an uncomfortable feeling, having a difficult conversation, um, especially in this world we live in where it seems like every time you turn on the news, it couldn't get any yeah. worse, but that it seems like that hole just keeps getting dug deeper. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about the guests you're going to be speaking to. You know, one of the best parts about my job is I get to hear our such amazing from such amazing experts. Um, and, and honestly, I've been doing that for 30 years, but once in a blue moon, I get to listen to someone who is so knowledgeable and so kind and so compassionate and so helpful that it changes your life. And when I went into the session, um, it was a session about trauma and Megan was giving the speech and I was doing what I normally do. I'm doing the laptop and I'm, I'm mm, like, multitasking. Yeah, like half listening because <laughs> I've taken how many trauma classes. And, and she told the immediate story about her response and her feelings to the Buffalo uh, supermarket shooting. And I was riveted. And my hand was up the entire time about learning about responses to trauma to anxiety. Um, and I'm so grateful that she had a lot of patience for all my questions. And I'm even more grateful that she's decided to spend a few minutes with us today. Yeah. I mean, that that tells you everything you know about how she felt about your questions. She decided to come on the yeah. podcast with you. So, you know, really, really looking forward to the interview. Um, so, you know, listeners enjoy, enjoy the conversation and please uh, send us comments. We love to hear your feedback on other kinds of conversations. Uh, that we can be having. So enjoy the conversation with Megan Andrews. Hey, Megan, how are you today? Thank you so much for dropping by. It's like you're in my living room. Really appreciate chatting with you. How are you? I know. I love it. Uh, you know, uh, technology has done wonderful things and it's allowed us to connect um, across across the air and miles and miles away. But um, yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So, you know, the world doesn't know how amazing you are. So would you take a minute and just introduce yourself? And I had the pleasure of listening to you speak and it was really life-changing. So Megan, will you tell me a little bit about the work you're uh, that you're doing? Yeah. Uh, my name is Megan Andrews. I'm a licensed clinical social worker um, by training and by education. Uh, my experience includes uh, over 30 years of experience as a clinician in the community, as well as uh, as an educator, as I uh, work as a uh, faculty member over at an adjunct faculty member at the University uh, School of Social Work, uh, where I was introduced to the uh, concept of trauma-informed uh, work and trauma-informed counseling, um, and really in the employee assistance business have brought that to companies. Uh, bringing that concept, those guide rails, um, you know, that help support decision making is trauma informed. And you know, Megan, you know, I'm 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 so anxious to get started. You know, I'm famous for that interruption, but you know, um, uh, and I hate asking this question, but you know, you have all this wealth of experience, and then you have the Buffalo shooting. 
So can you describe for, for us listening where you were, how that affected you, and kind of that idea of theory and reality mushing together? Yeah. I mean, it was surreal, honestly. Um, it's, you know, it's been uh, just over, just about a year, a little over a year and a half. Um, and we were uh, kind of faced with the unthinkable. Um, a shooter um, uh, drove to our community intentionally um, to target uh, a, a part of our community um, that is alive and vibrant. The grocery store serves uh, people of color. And um, I was responding as a person uh, who supports the community and lots of organizations that were on site that day, including the police department, fire department, our transportation department and the like, uh, including human service agencies that serve that community. And uh, we were on site providing immediate support, crisis support um, for, uh, for anybody in need at that moment, um, as well as the ongoing months after. Um, and really, that's what kind of brought to light um, the need for us to understand that not everybody was impacted by that, um, by that experience in our community in the same way. Um, people with different backgrounds and different experiences, um, people with different colors of skin were impacted differently um, based on the fact that they were targeted um, and uh, it had a different traumatic effect. Um, because of that. And so, you know, Megan, it's now we're a few months, years later, and the news just comes fast and furious. So I'm going to ask you a really hard one, okay? My morning started with a client, I'm sure you're familiar with this client, who says, there's nothing that can help me feel positive again. I, I Don't tell me to go out and take a breath. Don't tell me to eat healthy, to sleep better. I've done all that. I tried all that. And I'm turning on the news and I, I see horrific things. I can't get access to the therapist to help me change, but yet I got to pick up my kids. I got to take care of my older mother. So I'm dumping it all in one question for you to know, how do we get to a hopeful, optimistic place? Can you give me some ideas? Yeah, I think what you're talking about is so important, Wendy, in that um, we can't self-care our way out of systemic challenges. Um, we can't train our way out of systemic challenges. And we have to look at it from multiple points of view. And I do think that having that conversation with folks lets them know that it's not all on their shoulders. Um, it's not all on them. That's much of this is the system around them. Much of this is what uh, that, that we need to um, stop beating people over the head um, and telling them to take a walk and take a bubble bath and they'll all feel better. Um, we can't keep doing that. You know, it's interesting because, you know, Megan, I, I use this as an example. Like when I met you in the times I've talked to, I just feel better. Like, so describe to me why just having a conversation, just just talking, like, why does that make me feel better? I, I, I don't really understand. Why do I feel better after I talk to Megan? It's such a great question because I think that's the, you know, the idea that somehow therapy, conversations, counseling is somehow magical. Um it isn't magic in the, in, in, in the sense that it's going to make things all better um, and that there isn't uh, effort involved. Uh, and it's really about being willing to take a look at things from a different perspective. It's being willing to acknowledge and validate that my experience and the reason I'm feeling this way makes sense, um, that maybe it's the stuff that's coming at me that doesn't make sense. 
Um, and, and I may not have full control over that, but I do have control over my response, my reactions, where I go, where I don't go, who I talk to, who I don't talk to. And recognizing that our nervous systems are a big part of this. Um, where, where do we find that our nervous systems are more neutral or more calm? Um, why is that? Digging in and finding out, like, why when I talk to that person, I feel a sense of calm? Am I shifting my perspective? Um, am I seeing things bigger than myself? Um, I often ask people, you know, in session to kind of close their eyes and, and take that elevated view. Kind of put yourself up on a satellite. Um, put yourself up there and looking down at the, at the people in your circle and then beyond in your community and then beyond in your city, your state, your country, and then the world. We need to have that perspective shift. And who does that for us? Um, who helps us find that? And, and I, it, not just who, but what, you know, what helps us find that? You know, it's so interesting because it's, it's a, what you're describing. Um, it's, it sounds hard in some ways, but if we make it simple, right, if we break it down and really just make it simple, you know, it's asking someone how they are and allowing them to answer real is life-changing. Yeah. And not keep walking. And, Hi, how are you? And keep walking. I've done it myself. I catch myself. Um, but really just s sitting in, taking, looking at people in the eye. And, and I think this is one of the things that concerns me is that we are, are, are turning um, counseling and therapy into a transactional um, experience. Mm -hmm. And it is not. It is relational. Um, how we relate to one another. And we know how this has affected us post-pandemic. Uh, we know that that disconnect and, and that this is great, you know, but a lot of it is transactional, you know, but we have to make it interactional. We have to make it relational. And that requires us to sit down and be in each other's energy, um, be in each other's eyesight, um, look at each other in the eye and say, I, and, and the reality is our nervous systems look to one another for calming. Soothing, right? That's self-soothing. You know, it's so it's so interesting, Megan, because oh, my son will probably just throw something at me if you're telling this, but he's got this blanket from when he was like super young, like five or six years old. I mean, you can imagine he's 31 now, right? My youngest. And this blanket brings him this sense of soothing. And I think to myself, so what do we have? And you know, it's interesting because some of the things like, you know, I've been cleaning lately and I've been donating a ton. And I mean, can you describe like, why does that make me feel like I'm like, yes, there's this sense of like, I ran a marathon. I mean, didn't run a marathon, but I did clean out my closet and donate a ton of things. How come that makes me feel so awesome? Because it frees you up. So true. It, it reduces the burden that you're carrying. Um, we, we put things in our sphere. We put people in our sphere and we put yep. stuff in our sphere thinking it's going to help, thinking it's going to uh, provide us some um, you know, some support and some guidance. You know, I, I'm, I'm struck by even just thinking about um, Chandler Bing, um, you know, Matthew Perry. Um, he he said it. I mean, I watched his interviews. I've read his book. I even listened to it because it was so incredibly um, powerful to hear his voice. But the reality is what we have in that stuff in our sphere isn't going to provide us that that support and guidance and and just that calm um, that that people are going to bring to us and that's why we think we need this but now when we unburden ourselves and say okay I actually don't need all this stuff I need things to be reasonable and organized so I can feel like I can accomplish 
what I need to in the day, that that space between what I need to accomplish and my perceived um, idea that I can achieve that is that that gap is small. Um, and the smaller that gap is, the less stressed we are, the less our, our nervous system's on fire. Uh, when that gap is big and when there's something to do today and I feel like I don't have the capacity to do it, um, that's where the anxiety sits. Um, and, and I, yeah, I got to do it. I love it. And Megan, you just, you just named the podcast. So you jumped on today. Um, I want to thank you. I know what I'm going to name this. It's unburdened. That's what we need to do. Um, and, um, and I think one of the last things that we really want to touch upon, and again, um, my gratitude for you being here is maybe I'm doing okay, right? I'm, I, I, I've, I've, I've heard it, but I, my loved one at home or my boss or my colleague, they're in that really deep place where they're feeling that overwhelmed. What, what can I do to help them and support them? Because I'm actually okay, but they might be bringing me down a little the bit. The first tip is connect with them for real. Yeah. And you know what for real means. You know what for real means. Um, sometimes it's a text message. Um, sometimes it's a pick up the phone. Don't be afraid to be connecting with people. Um, it may be stopping by. It may be um, making some banana bread and sending it over to your neighbor. Um, connect with people. You know what, Megan, I got to interrupt here and tell you something really interesting. Yeah. When my ex-husband passed away, we were recently divorced, right? I was running the company, a thousand trainers. How many do you think sent me a condolence note? How many do you think reached out, like you said, for real? What do you think? I would hope. What do I hope? <laughs> I would hope half. Two. Wow. And the answer I got from them was that old philosophy, I didn't want to upset you more. So I, I, I was afraid. I want to ask how you're doing because, you know, whoa, you were in Buffalo when it happened. So let me not upset you more, Megan. Right. So talk to me about that's a, It's a great point because I think that's what we are. We think, oh, someone else has it. I don't want to bother them. I don't want to um, take their time. I don't want to, what you just said, upset them more. Um, when in reality, connection, relationship, and being, being real with people um, is, is vital to our sustainability as a population. Um, that We cannot take that out of, we can't take the humanity out of what we're doing um, at all. I, I mean, I, I'm not afraid of AI. You know, it's... That's a set. I, I'm right there with you, right? It's exciting. You know, it's interesting. It's one of the tips I have taking care of my mother is I always have a trip planned for her. I just, it's always on the calendar. We've got January 5th. We're going. Now, will we go? Right. Do I think we'll go? But man, it's there. Yeah. And we talk about it and we may shop for it and we plan for it because that's the connection I know my mom loves. Yeah. yeah. And am I scared that she's 88? Yeah. Stuff could happen. But the research says that planning a vacation is more calming yep. than going on one. So true. And I would agree with that. <laughs> I love planning a vacation. So I can't thank you enough for jumping on today, beginning this conversation of how do we unburden ourselves and our loved ones. Um, it's not just that you have such an amazing wealth of educational background, but you've lived it um, and you're always willing to share. So thank you so much for being part of our program today. Always happy to talk with you, Wendy. Um, anytime. You take care of yourself. For real. <laughs> For real. For real. For <sighs> real.
This has been a production of Balancing Life's Issues with your hosts, Kai Sorensen and Wendy Walner. Produced by me, Kai. Rate, leave a review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so you can get brand new episodes as they drop. Got an idea for the show? Email me, kai at balancinglifesissues.com. Anything to add, Miles? Yeah. <laughs>